Hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of Tell It All, where we find hope for our struggles and have a safe place for our vulnerability. I'm your host, Doriani Godoy. Hey, guys, welcome back to another episode. Okay, guys, so today's episode, I'm just going to hop on here and talk just really fast before I let you guys just listen to the entirety of the episode, which is my immigration story. Um, I just wanted to hop on here really fast and explain a little bit before I let you guys listen to it. So what I'm basically talking about is my entire immigration story from the moment I got to the United States of America until now that I live here, obviously. And so I just talk about my experiences during my life as a kid. Um, I get to share to you guys about stuff that happened with the immigration officers when they came to my home. Um, I got to talk about my experiences at school and about, you know, how hard it was to be legal for the 19 years of my life. So it's definitely something that was hard, um, but I am so beyond thankful I got to experience it and be shaped by it. So I just kind of wanted to hop on here and just say thank you so much for listening. I'm super excited for you guys to listen to my story and, um, If you guys have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to go to my social media and ask me them. I'm here to answer any questions that you might have for me um, because I want to do the best I can to address whatever you guys might have on your mind or in your heart. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my story. And here we go. I'm really glad you're here. (laughs) Really glad. This is a really big day. I know. Yeah, I'm really nervous and anxious. Yeah. So tell me what we're talking about. So we're going to talk about my immigration story, Um, just kind of how immigration has impacted my life, or I guess more like being undocumented, how that's been, you know, a big, huge part of my life of who I've been for so long um yeah so okay okay so what I really want is for you to start at the beginning Mm -hmm. what you feel like is the most significant beginning of the whole immigration story immigration life okay so um I guess we can just start with like probably not the traumatic part, but just in the fact that, um, so when we migrated over, we were just like coming for a vacation. Um, and my uncles were already here and they had already decided to stay. Um, I think in that moment, Venezuela wasn't like at the worst it could have ever been, but it was definitely like just kind of floating. My uncle knew, I guess in that time, the capacity like Chavez had to like ruin our country. And I guess he just foresaw it. Like, I don't know, I guess like God just really gave him that vision, that thought. Um, So, you know, a couple nights before we were supposed to leave, my uncle, you know, told my mom, like, what is it that you want for Dory's future? Because in that moment, my brother wasn't born yet. Um, And he was like, do you want a future of like success and, you know, living in a country with stability, you know, and amazing economic opportunities. Is that what you want for her? Do you want to take her back to Venezuela? And like, you have no idea what her future could like look like. I mean, you know, he didn't know what it could look like here, but there's just a little bit more hope, I think, 
staying here. Um, so my mom, you know, made that decision and said, you know, you're right. You know, I'm, that's my daughter. I want to do what I can to like give her the best future I can. So we're staying and, and we made, you know, that decision was made. And from there it was, you know, it was good. Like everything was, was fine. I mean, I was young, so you don't really, you know, think yeah. about being. So that, that's actually an important question. So you were born in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how old were you when that vacation moment, let's vacation in America, wait a second, let's migrate to America? When I was four. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't really, I, I, I didn't really know what was happening. Sure. Like you just, you just kind of like stay and you just never go back. And I, I mean, I don't think that that was, I don't remember even having a conversation with my mom where it was like, yeah. oh, we're staying. It was just like, yeah. we just stayed and never went back. And yeah. it was just kind of, and we had a really good like friend group, you know, and thing is like, we were all illegal. (laughs) So like, it wasn't this like stigma or, I mean, or undocumented, like wherever people want to call it. But like, we, there wasn't a stigma. There wasn't this thing where it was, it was like, oh, you know, you might want to get that fixed. It was just kind of like, we were all in the same boat. And, and it, I mean, my childhood was beautiful. Like, you know, we went over each other and before the big event, which I'll get into in a second, but like, you know, we hung out every weekend and it was, it was just fun. And I was a kid. I didn't know. I didn't know what, you know, the word undocumented meant. I didn't know what like, you know, not being from the U.S. meant, you know, um, until, so my uncles had applied for asylum, which if a lot of people don't know, it's just like, you know, like your country is going through a really hard time or whatever. And so you apply for that because it's kind of like you're a refugee, mm-hmm. Um, and my uncle's got it, like it got denied. So when it gets denied, it's like immediate deportation. Like that's the like word for it, I think. The process. Yeah. And I don't know everything. So like if I say something wrong, you know, like yikes, but it's just kind of like what I've been told because I don't really research it, I guess. It's just what I've lived. But, um, so they were, they were coming to get my aunt, um, but my aunt was working in that moment. So the day that they decided to come get them, we had just like, I think we had just gotten home from school or something and we were like going to be alone for like an hour or two just because like no one could take care of us, like our parents were working. Um, so we were like, you know, just hanging out. We were all, as usual, kids when they're left alone, don't open the door, don't go outside, don't mm-hmm. talk to strangers. So we get a knock at the door and we're like, who the heck is that? Um, we didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> so like, and at was, this point, how old were you? Do you think? Um, I, if I remember correctly, I think I was like eight. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was pretty young. Yeah. Um, and I remember like looking through the window and you know, cause that's what we did. Even when we had our parents at home, we were like, Oh, look through the window, see who's knocking at the door. Um, and it we were like shocked like they were all in uniforms and we were like oh my gosh like what is this like what's happening and we we just thought it was the police which is what we told our parents you know we were like we went all we like ran up the stairs and um once they saw us they started knocking like harder and harder and um they were yelling like open the door open the door like we're gonna come in like you can't hide like all those things and it was just like and like we were calling my mom and I was like mom, like there's cops outside. Like, I don't know what's happening. And we were looking through the window and they could see us. They were surrounded. It was so many of them. So like they were looking at all our windows and, um, it was, 
I don't know. It was just like so crazy. So like I remember my aunt was the in that moment when you used to. Well, I think even now when you apply for asylum, it's like you get a social security number to work and then a worker's permit so that you can work while you're waiting for your case to like be processed and stuff. So they were they had that. So my aunt was like, well, I'm the only one that like has like a driver's license that's valid. Like, like, let me just go by myself. And she dropped my mom off like at like the gas station close to our house mm-hmm. um because like my mom didn't have anything so she was like I don't know what's happening like we just need to go home um so my aunt pulls up and obviously like they were coming to get her um so even though she had all of that documentation yeah because it was like her case was the one that was her and my uncle's and Issa's case like my cousin's case were the ones that was getting denied wow. so they were coming for all three of them mm-hmm. um so it didn't really matter who they got first, which Issa was the one, she was the one with me, my cousin. And she, like, I remember my aunt saying that she would, she was, like, outside and they were, like, cuffing her. Wow. Like, as if she was a criminal. And right. I remember her telling the immigration officers, like, please take this off of me. Like, these are my girls. Like, these are my daughters. Like, I don't want them to see me like this. Like, I'm not a criminal. And they, um... The guy was like, I don't care. Like, and they finally got him off of her after she asked, like, persistently. Um, But they were like, my aunt didn't know English. So she didn't know what, like, a lot of them were saying, except for, like, the the Hispanic guy. He was, like, translating everything for her. And um, they were like, who else lives here? Like, all this stuff. And, I mean, obviously, like, I wasn't. So, um the immigrant immigration officers they had like a permit to like do this right mm-hmm. so like to come in the house and come get them but I wasn't in the permit so they if they took me it would have been like so bad because I was an, I was obviously undocumented but it didn't matter like in that moment it doesn't matter like I was a, a minor and they can't take anyone other than who they're looking for okay. at least that's that's how it used to be whenever this happened um and so like I remember the officer they were, like, yelling at my cousin and I, like, um, and they were telling, like, someone has to come get her, but it has to be her guardian. Like, it has to be her mom. And, like, my mom was, like, I can't go. Like, it's a bunch of immigration officers. Like, we're both going to get deported. Like, and um, the officer just, like, telling me, like, in my face, being, like, you, like, your mom needs to get her ass over here or, like, I'm going to lock you up in a camp and you're never going to be able to see her and you're only going to see her once a week, and it's going to be through a screen. And um, so basically just, like, installing fear in me so that I could push my mom. And I remember being on the phone being like, please come, like, please come get me. And he was like, your mom doesn't love you. She doesn't care about you. She doesn't care if I take you. And, like, that's not true. Like, my mom does love me. And, like, she was scared as, like, it makes sense. Um, But you're an 8-year-old, like— yeah. All in all of this with with the officer saying what he's saying to you, saying with the tone he's saying to you. Yeah. And and being alone in that moment, knowing I I'm an eight year old. I don't know what any of this is. Yeah. Yeah. And like my aunt was like telling us multiple times, like, you know, in Spanish, like, don't listen, don't listen. Like, mm-hmm. look at me. Just look at me. Like, stay focused. Like, look at me. And like, mm-hmm. um. Like, obviously, like, how are you supposed to, like, look at her when you're being yelled at? Um, So finally my mom came in and, like, got me. And she had to, like, prove that she lived there and that she was my mom. Because they had already, Mm. they had gone through all our stuff. Like, we had a two-story house. And, like, 
they had already gone upstairs and like looked in through our rooms and our closets and like all that stuff. I'm guessing they were like looking for my uncle and he was at work. So like he couldn't like they couldn't they didn't find him. Um, so then they left and, you know, they wouldn't tell us where they were taking them. Like my mom kept asking, like, please tell me, like, I just wanted to know that like my sister's going to be OK, like all these things. And like. Um, and then finally, like at nighttime, they called and like, you know, she was okay. They were okay. They were like in a hotel and because Issa was a minor, it was just like a lot harder, you know, cause I mean, even though they were like taking them away and like in a way like separating them from us, they still respected the fact that she was a minor mm. and that like in that moment, that was, like, the most important thing. Um, so they ended up putting her in a hotel that night. And then I don't remember, like, what facility they shipped them to. But, like, it, I remember her telling me, like, it was, like, a camp for, like, kids and my aunt. And so they could be together. Um, and there was, like, schools and stuff like that so that they didn't miss school. And there was, like, activities and all these things um, for them. But in that moment, like, you know, my uncle didn't come home because, like, you know, they would have taken all of them. And Kaylee and Lala, which was my cousins, like, which is their kids, they were, like, they were babies. Like, they couldn't be, like, away from their parents. So, like, um, and, like, Lala, out of all of them, is, like, the most attached to my aunt. So, like, that was just, like, a hard night overall because, like, we were all hiding in my uncle's I don't want to use the word hiding, but I guess so, I guess. Like, we all were in my other uncle's house, like, sleeping on mattresses, like, you know, making sure that we all stayed together, like, calling everyone in Venezuela, like, letting them know what was happening, like, here in the States, like, letting them know, like, all our friends. Um, and I think they were there for a couple of days. I don't remember how many days, but we finally let them go because, like, Kelly and Lalo both have, like, severe asthma, and so they were, like talking about how they like couldn't be away from their parents and my aunt was the only one who knew how to treat them like when they had their like severe attacks and stuff um so they finally let her go and the thing about my uncle is like it's like I command him for this like he didn't run like he literally didn't like he got up and like went home like went to work the next day and we went back to like living our lives like mm -hmm. for like a couple days it was sort of normal and then they came and like got him and they got him at work. They found him. And um, and then, well, found is not really the word. I guess they just, like, picked him up, like, because he wasn't hiding. Um, and then after that, finally, like, my uncle stayed there for probably, like, a couple weeks to a month. He wanted to wait. He didn't just, like, immediately ask for deportation. He wanted his case to go through. Um, so it was still denied. And my aunt finally told him, like, you know, we all have to go. Like, I'm not leaving without... Because they had the... She could have had the option to stay because of her two kids because mm -hmm. they were American citizens and they had severe stuff. And So there were there were three kids. Mm -hmm. One, the oldest, ha got taken with the aunt. Yes. And the other two were stayed with you and your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your family. Yeah. Wow, that's so hard. Mm. Okay, so when he... When he went back... Your aunt and your oldest cousin went back to um, Venezuela, yeah, and all of them actually. They all went back. So the two little kids. And, wow. Yeah, yeah. I know it's just weird because they're here with us now, but like, yeah, they went back with them. Um, 
because it was just like, like there wasn't, we, you, we couldn't separate them, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. as you shouldn't, like they're a family. So, so then after that, um, like my mom and I moved into our own apartment, which was all in all like harder because she wasn't making enough to like sustain us like mm-hmm. by herself. So then we moved in with my uncle um, and then life went by and a lot of things happened. And then, then we ended up in Alabama which is where um, I think it was more, more prominent that I was undocumented. That's when it was, when I hit high school, it was, that was the moment that I think I finally realized like how scared being undocumented could feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so since I was a kid, like, you know, you're always taught like as an, as a, undocumented kid with family undocumented you don't talk about it you don't tell people you don't like that's not something that you do because you're not allowed to do it because you don't know who could you know call immigration who could just be like hey we have this person here come get them um so as like I remember like sharing to my cousin one time like because it it was a part of who I was and I like I I didn't want to continue to hide it like with my friends you know and I was in that moment, I was, like, 10 when I wanted, when I ended up sharing it to, like, my best friend or something. Like, my cousins had left, like, um, you know, they got deported. Like, I was, I was, like, as a kid, you long for a connection. And my, my connection was my cousin, Issa. Like, we were sisters. Like, we were literally, like, did everything together. Like, they dressed us like twins. Like, since the moment we were born, like, we were, like, inseparable. Um. So I, like, told – I told some close friends, like, our immigration status. And I remember I let my cousins know that I did that. And it was – it was like I had – I don't even know. Like, I had ran someone over. Like, it was so bad. Um, you told your cousins that were back in Venezuela? No, my cousins here. Oh. Who okay. were, like, the same age as me. Okay. Yeah. So um, I told them, and I was like – I just, like, let them know. And they're like – you can never do that again. Like, you are going to get deported. You are going to get sent back home. Like, you are, like, you're going to ruin your life. Like, and we were, like, 10, you know? And, like, imagine thinking, like, if someone finds this out, like, they're going to ruin my life. Um, So I never, in that moment, I told myself, like, I'm never telling anyone again. Like, I'm risking, Mm -hmm. like, getting deported. Like, I cannot nothing is worth that you know so um so then after all that like going back to like the moment we were in Alabama um I find I think I realized how much how much it began to define me when I was in high school Mm -hmm. um because you're immediately bombarded with like college and driver's license and like trips and summer's coming up and I couldn't do anything like I couldn't like drive I you know my friends got their permits and I didn't and you know they all started driving at 16 and I couldn't and I had friends invite me to family vacations that I couldn't go to and like Mm -hmm. um you know when people would talk about college I was like yes I'm gonna go to college I'm gonna do this and it was like that's what I would tell myself but that wasn't I didn't know that that was true because I knew of my immigration status. I knew that I legally couldn't go to school. Um, So 
I began at my immigration process with my mom because she got um, married to my stepdad and they did it together. And then my mom decided to divorce him before she like, but we were like poorly, like we had a lawyer, we had an immigration lawyer who was like doing all her paperwork, but like he wasn't a good one. So he didn't guide us correctly as he should have. Mm-hmm. Um, so he told my mom like, oh, you can just like um, petition for Dory later. She doesn't have to go in your case, which is not the case. You're supposed to put me in like together so that we both could have gotten everything together in our residency together. Um, so you know, like at some point my mom ended up divorcing like my stepdad and, you know, I obviously still had a relationship with him because he's my stepdad. So like, you know, he came to things, but it was still like separate. Um, so my mom started my immigration process with her when I was a freshman and we got, um, you know, we got a lawyer, but it was, it just, it, I remember walking out of every single conversation I had with like my lawyer just in like desperation of like crying because it was like it just seemed impossible like it seemed like it was never gonna happen because it was always like no well you need this no well you need that well you need this and you need that and you don't have a sponsor and you don't have like you can't afford your to like technically afford to sponsor your daughter which I was like what the freak like you can't like well, you're a resident, not a citizen. So like Dory's going to have to go out of the country and do her immigration process. And it was like, what? No, like we literally, you can't leave or you can't come back in. Like, Mm. so it was like, it felt like contradicting information. And and I was like, well, can you promise me that the immigration officer isn't going to like deny me and leave me wherever I am? And they're like, no, I can't. I'm like, so why would I spend here my whole life running and like, make not making mistakes not running red lights for for what for me to go to a different country and get stuck like no like I'm not doing that so but we were hopeful and we would call and talk to people and they're like no you can do it you can do it from in here like it's totally fine which is not true like but we were we were like we didn't know better like you know so finally I got my appointment probably like my senior year of high school um to like go like with my mom so so what was that like the entire like your whole school career and when you were getting all that information and meeting with a lawyer and calling all the people was that something that took up like a huge portion of your like daily life or what did that look like um yeah so so it did um it took up like just being undocumented took up so much of my high school career you know there was like there was like school dory and then there was like home dory you know there wasn't and it didn't ever combine um because I wasn't allowed to talk about it and I wasn't allowed to tell anyone and I went to a private school a very small private school and like um which I was like very much so the minority like even people who are Hispanic like had no idea like you know what I mean like what I was going through Um, so I never shared it with any of my friends and like, I mean, like, how can you share it? You know, when I was freaking in government class being told like, you know, immigrants are like the worst thing that could happen to America. Like you guys are trash. You're rapists. Like you guys are like, just come here and you're lazy and you don't work and you steal our jobs and you, and I'm like, 
I would look at that guy and be like, I have better grades than you. And like, I'm in more extracurricular activity than you. And I'm, I have a bright future. I just don't have a social security number that like defines that and like can open that door. But I bet I could kick your butt in anything. And like, it was so frustrating because it was like, I would stand up for it and be like, no, like you can't say that. You cannot say that. Like, you don't know anything. You don't know the you don't know anyone's story like you have no idea and I would tell them I'm like you don't even know like who's beside you like the person beside you could be illegal and like I was obviously talking about myself and like and it was just I like I had best friends like girls who are still in my life today like who like would talk about and like undocumented people like we were like literally the scum of the earth like like I know the legal term for undocumented is like illegal aliens Mm -hmm. but that it was it's used not as a term to just be like oh the document like this is what it it says but it's like literally like calling us aliens like I'm not from outer space like I'm literally like more American than I am Venezuelan like Mm -hmm. why do you think like it's okay to do that and I remember telling like my best friend like you cannot say that And she's like, well, that's what they call them. That's their name. And I'm like, no, that is not their name. That is not my name. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a legal alien. That's the worst thing you could say. Like, I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a child. I'm a kid. I'm a high schooler. Mm -hmm. I'm me. I'm Dory. Like, I don't, I'm not like this horrible name. You know, this doesn't define who I am. But in that moment, that's all I could think of. Mm And every moment I was like, can't slip, can't slip. Like, like remember the lie you told the other guy, like, why you can't drive? Like, oh, because I'm Latina and my parents can't let us drive until we're 18. And so it was like, it was like, oh, everyone knows Dory can't drive until she's 18. So like making sure that the lies that I was telling about, you know, why I couldn't drive or why I couldn't fly on a plane or why I couldn't do certain things, I had to remember them. I had to remember them so that I wouldn't, you know, have a moment of like slip up and like someone question what I was saying and and it was hard because there was one person in my entire school who knew because our parents were friends and even in one moment she like used it against me was like I'm gonna tell everyone and I was like you cannot tell anyone like that is my worst nightmare to like have people find this out like I'm too like literally there's like school Dory and home Dory and they cannot combine and in that moment it was like like for me, my nightmare was that mm. to like get like for someone to find out. Mm. And did like, it did it feel like it was the judgment because you had heard like the things they would say about it, people immigrating, or was it the fear of going back to a country that you had had no connection to because you'd been there from zero to four and that's it? Yeah. So. I think for me, it was like a little bit of both. I think it was the fact that, um, like, which I have been back, had been back in Venezuela before, like in the span of like high school and the kids. So I had friends, but that it was such a hard experience. I didn't freaking even know how to read or write in Spanish. Like, you know, so it's like, but I think it was, I think it was a little bit of fear of rejection of like, everyone's gonna look at me like I'm this horrible human being who like doesn't have papers and like which is what it's called I guess or like documents and like they're gonna hate me like everyone's gonna hate me and they're they're gonna like 
say these things to me and they're going to say them to my face. Like, they're not going to use, like, illegal or undocumented as, like, the word. They're going to say, like, Dory. And so it was, like, I was so scared of, like, literally, I don't even know, like, I guess getting bullied in the, about that and, like, you know, people calling immigration or telling them. And it's, like, they couldn't even do anything but I was because I, I knew they couldn't do anything because I had a document like even if they called immigration, they would be like, well, she has a process like a process going. You can't do you can't, I'm not deporting her. I can't deport her like legally. They couldn't do anything. But but I was so like fear was the only thing I would ever feel. So like it, I didn't care like what the technicalities looked like. It was like no one could find out or this is going to be like the worst thing ever. And I remember like my senior year was approaching and I still like wasn't legal like I still was like um I hadn't heard anything from immigration I was like walk and I literally like I got depressed like I literally like um I remember my junior year like all I would do was like drink and drink and drink I was so depressed I would cry at night and literally be like I would talk to God and be like I am so mad at you like, I do not understand why you're punishing me. Like, that's all I would ever ask God. I'm like, why do you hate me? Like, this is all I want is to, like, be legal and go to school and be normal. And, like, why do you not want that for me? Like, why? Like, why don't you want me to blend in and, like, go to school and have an education? Like, I was like, that's all I want, God. And it wasn't his fault. Like, we live in a broken world. But, like, in that moment, I literally didn't understand. Um, until finally, like, you know, like, I finally hit rock bottom. And, like, I ended up in the hospital and, like, destroyed my stomach of how much, like, alcohol and um, cigarettes like, I was smoking and, like, all these things. And I was just, like, you know, finally my mom was, like, you cannot keep doing this to yourself, you know, like, mm. and then I went on a church trip and I got saved and it was like, I mean, I was still angry at God, but like I could feel him and I knew like that he was there with me. And so in that moment, like I began telling my friends, like my senior year, um, like only my close ones. And I was like, and I think, I think I, I, I learned the courage to tell my friends because I found out that another guy in my, like, the class above me, he was illegal also. Mm -hmm. Or, like, he was on DACA or something like that. And um, people knew. And, like, his close friends knew. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't remember how I found out. And, like, I think, I mean, it was a little bit of everything. But in that moment, I remember texting him. And I was like, why, like, how did you get the courage to tell your friends that, like, this is who you are? And he, in the moment, he was like, is this a joke? Like, are you, like, playing with my mind? I was like, no, like, I'm serious. Like, I'm also illegal. And, like, he was like, he was like, I don't know. I just did it. Like, I just told them. And I was just honest with them. And, yeah. and, and that's when, like, everything began to change. I, like, told, um like, all my close friends, and even my friend who was, like, you know, like, oh, in my face about it, I remember telling her, and she was just, like, she's, like, why didn't you ever just tell me? 
And I was like, what do you mean? Do you know the way you talk about undocumented people? Like, how did you think I was going to feel comfortable telling you anything? And she was just like, she was like, Dory, it doesn't change, like, how I look at you. Like, it doesn't change, like, mm -hmm. who you are as a human being. Like, mm -hmm. I still love you. You're still my best friend. Like, I'm still here for you. Like, and in that moment, I was just like, I have been driven by fear for three years. More, I mean, my entire life, especially my high school career, like, mm -hmm. and all I had to do was, like, tell them, <laughs> you know? Like, I was like, what? And obviously, like, not the whole school knew. Um, and I was still lying to a lot of people. Um, but I was being honest with those I felt safe to be honest with. Yeah. And so, like, you know, my guidance counselor, like, I was as you know, like, achiever, like, I'm, like, so I was in her office, like, every semester, like, oh, like, colleges talking about it, and I remember she would, like, tell me all the time my senior year, like, Dory, um, Auburn opened their application process, Dory, blah, 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 is, like, why haven't, I haven't seen that you requested your transcript, and it was, like, in front of everyone in the hallway, mm -hmm. and I was, like, can you just shut up? <laughs> like, so she was the school guidance counselor, but she didn't know your status. Yeah, mm -mm. Because legally, technically, no one can know. Like, the only one who probably knew was, like, the person who, like, processed documents. So it, because it's, like, I mean, you know, people don't question it. Because, like, people don't know that you're allowed to go to school from, like, kindergarten to high school if you're illegal. Because it's, like, a, the law. Like, you, kids have to go to school. So, like, you have to go to school. Um, so having that... I remember I went into her office and I sat down and I was angry. I was like, I was like, I am literally undocumented. I cannot go to school. So can you stop telling me that I know college applications are open. I get the emails. I read on it. I hear my friends talking about it. I know. I know. Now shut up. Mm -hmm. And like, she was so like taken back. Like she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And like, in that moment, she literally was like, I don't remember if it was in that moment or she called me in later, but she was like, Dory, I want you to know that, like, like she loved me. And that's the thing is, like, I didn't really know. And she was just like, she's like, I would, they're going to have to take me over, like, to take you, they're going to have to, like, go over my dead body. Like, they're not taking you. I will hide you. Like, it doesn't matter what I have to do, but, like, they're not coming to the school and taking you. And that for me was like, I was like, wow, like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, I never thought. And for my teachers, that was not a thing that I would, like, share with any of them. Um, and then I, I shared with, I even had, like, I was honest with some of my teachers. And, like, it was very redeeming. Like, it was, like, a lot of them were like, oh, Dory, like, okay, no worries. Like, that's not, you know, like, just encouraging things. I can't remember. I graduated so long ago. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> um. But moments. one of the, yeah, but I, one of them even, like, um, signed, like, as a witness for my immigration stuff with my stepdad. Wow. Yeah. And it was, like, it's so crazy that, like, for so long I hit it. Like, I was mm -hmm. so embarrassed. I think until this day, I think, like, that's why I wanted to do this video because I was, like, I'm still embarrassed that that was, like, such a big part of my life. Yeah. So you're still feeling, you still feel emotions about that that was part of your life. Mm -hmm. But was it the part that you were undocumented 
and dying in the isolation of feeling like you couldn't tell anyone or the actual fact that you were undocumented? Mm, I think I think it is the emotion of it more than like now that I think about it because like I'm not embarrassed to say like oh I'm a resident like I'm not a citizen yet you know what I mean like I'm not embarrassed to say that word oh yeah I went through an immigration process but I think I think there's still that side of me that's like can't tell anyone like can't talk about it it's a touchy Mm -hmm. subject like people can't find out but it's like um but it's like obviously not who I am you know like it cannot define me it it's Mm -hmm. not people know me for what I am you know and it's like you just got so used to yeah and and I think I think it's like the embarrassment of like that I felt in high school you know, that I was like, I'm so embarrassed that I'm not documented. I'm so embarrassed that I, like, have this thing and I, like, I'm not like everyone else. You know, like, I'm the outsider. I'm, like, the immigrant. I'm, you know, and so it was, like, I think for me talking about it is so hard because it brings up, again, that, like, embarrassment feeling, the fear that I felt, like, Mm. perpetual fear, like, literally all the time. Of people finding out. Yeah. Because even though, so at that point, you were, the process had begun. So you couldn't be sent back to a country you didn't know. Mm -hmm. But it was, what's going to happen if people know? What's that going to, what is the judgment going to feel like? Mm -hmm. And will I be alone if they find out, you know, who, who I really am? Which, which has been deemed in my mind something that is unacceptable. Yeah. 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 And it, I mean, I, I let it define me for such a long time, you know, and what should define me is that I'm hilarious. Um, but like, like, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot of emotions like with it. And I think, you know, it didn't stop in high school. You know, I wasn't like legal in high school. Like I wasn't, my process was, was actually starting again. Wow. So my senior year, um, I got my interview with my mom and it was like, oh my gosh, like so exciting, which is to me a little bit frustrating with the process um, because I shouldn't have gotten that interview Hmm. because there was nothing the officer could do like with because that's not how technically the process is supposed to go when you're a resident like you're not supposed to do it from the U.S. but you're supposed to do it in another like outside the country in another embassy so I don't really know like what slipped through the cracks but I think it was very god it was a god thing but I remember we went to the interview and like so the interview was with an immigration officer officer yeah so I was with my mom and 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 he was he was dressed like a normal human you know like it wasn't like he was a you know like his officer um I was gonna say costume but like his officer gear um but we went inside um the we went inside the interview and I had everything like literally everything um and what's everything like, the documentations he needed to prove that I was, like, my mom's daughter. I lived here. I went to school. Like, all the good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, like, he was looking through my things. And he was, like, he was, like, right now I could just, boop, stamp it. As approved? Yeah. But he was, like, but I can't. And I was, like, why not? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, why can't you do that? And he was just, like, 
because I just can't like I cannot do this for you like I this is not how this works this is not the way that you were supposed to like the route you were supposed to take um and I was like why not like you literally have all the power to do it and he was like um and that's whenever that conversation came up where he was just like he was like I can't approve it but I'm also not going to deport you and I was just like thanks feels really safe that you and you know and he was like he's like the only difference between me and the border officers who take people away is that I'm not wearing my uniform and I was like okay um and he was just like so he was like I just need you to lay low like drive if you're gonna drive don't run lights like literally live like I am a criminal like Oh my goodness. You know, and he was just like, and don't you go off getting married to anyone for papers and like, don't you like, and I was like, I was like maybe 17. Yeah. Yeah. I was like 17 years old. And I was like, which I knew that's how that works too. Like, I'm not, I mean, that's the world we live in. Like, I'm an immigrant. Like, I know the stories, but like, I was like, I just want to go to school. Like, nobody's here looking to get married, you know, like, Mm -hmm. this is ridiculous. Um, And... It was crazy because he said that to me, but in a way, like, I also believe, like, there God's hand was in it because he literally was, like, he was, he started looking up resources that could, like, help me, like, immigrant resources and, like, churches that had, like, um, lawyers that help immigrants and, like, started looking at, like, the DACA rules and, like, if I applied and, like, how I could it he was just like looking up all the resources printed out a bunch of papers and then gave it to me and he was like he was like I'm not gonna deny it right away like I'm gonna talk to my officer I'm gonna put it on review he was like just know that I'm not gonna like send you off and deport you he was like you just have to stay low and I was like okay well I guess like thank you for like not deporting me but like this still sucks like this is not a good answer and like I remember, like, walking out of it in, like, tears and, like, my mom, like, my mom never cries, like, ever. And she was, like, bawling with me. Mm -hmm. And she was just, like, I was, like, mom, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I do not have another way out, you know? And it was, like, I was, like, I'm not going to go to school. I'm not, like, I'm just going to, what am I going to do? And she was, like, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. I was, like, what are we going to figure out, mom? Like, what route? Tell me. Like, what are we going to figure out? And it was just, like, the interview was in Atlanta. It was, like, four year, four year, four hours away from, like, where I lived. And it was just, like, the saddest, like, car ride I've ever had. Like, I was literally felt like someone had just, like, killed one of my family members. Like, I had no idea, like, what to do from that moment. Yeah, I was, like... Because he didn't give you... He just said the way you did it was wrong. But here's not how the like how you need to do it. Was it was there? Well, just we like, knew how to do it. We just didn't want to take that route, and we thought that there was. Stuck. Mm-hmm. But we thought that there was because we got the interview. We thought that the possibility of doing it from in here was available to us, and it wasn't. Wow. Um. Yeah. So. So then after that, like you know, I I went through my senior year, and then I finally was like, well, like I can't. This is not going to change. Like this is not going to change anything. You know, like this is who I am right now. Like, and I cannot continue to like hide this. And like, 
I mean, in that moment, I hid it, but not from, like, the people that I loved. And so it was, like, yeah, I just didn't want to keep lying to everyone that I loved. And I think, I think overall, I just, like, was, it's not fair, you know, to them, to, like, to their hearts, like, to know who I am, you know? It's, like, all we want to do is be known. So I, like, started telling, like I said, like, my close friends and, you know, all of them were, like, super just, like, I love you and you are who you are and, like, I know who you are and I know your heart and this doesn't change anything. And, you know, telling my professors, like, it was it was always met with, like, love and, like, and I, and I would and I would hope that, you know, telling them that because I had a really good relationship with, like, most of my professors – the ones who maybe agreed with the comments that my classmates had made that would, that they would be able to begin to have a different conversation or like a different thought. Um, but then, you know, I graduated high school and I just started working and, um, it was still a lot of who I was, but I was working in more of like the, I was working with more undocumented people. So it wasn't, abnormal you know it was I think it was the first time that I've ever felt known in that sense of like that side of my life because it was it wasn't a stigma it was just who people were like it was just part of their process and their so it was it was I think it was really redeeming to see that because I think you know Jesus putting me in a position where it's like you know you're not alone like Mm. this isn't something that you're just like this is not just you it's not just your battle like mm-hmm. this is very common and it's normal and you're not this like out of space like human being like you're not you're you're like just like everyone else and so um I remember I still struggled so long like with it and it was such a big part of who I was because I couldn't let it go um until I literally had a conversation with Jesus and <laughs> It's so crazy. I was in the bathroom of, like, one of the places I was working at because I was working two jobs. And I remember um, telling Jesus, I was like, I am sick and tired of this. Like, I do not want to carry this burden anymore. If America is not the country that you want me in, then take me out because I'm done like I was like if you want me in Europe if you want me in Venezuela if you want me in Colombia like I don't know where you want me but if this is not the place that I need to call home then just do something about it like send me somewhere else and I walked out of that bathroom to a text message from my stepmom and she was like hey we just received your residency like come get it and I was like Wow. Because you had been going through the process with your dad yeah, on my his son end. Dad, yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a, yeah. the timing of that. I know. God was like, here, just like, Assurance just really needed to carry it. Gift. Like, this is, yeah, it was so, and um, I was just like, what? Like, I didn't even, mm. I didn't even know what to say. Or like, I was just like, or, and the thing is, like, my case was so, well, by what my lawyer told me, like, it was very abnormal because my parents were separated and I was already, like, you know, older. And my stepdad, like, you normally petition for your stepdaughters when you're married or your stepson, but not separated. So I had to prove 
to immigration that like my stepdad was still in my life. Mm -hmm. So it was like thousands of pictures and witnesses and like people writing letters and signing. And like, it was this huge thing because like, or, and I think, I think in some cases you have to go for an interview, like with your stepdad together to like prove your relationship. But like, for me, my lawyer was just like, send everything. Like he was like, send all the evidence, every document, everything that you would normally go through a process with. He was like, we're sending it all and we're not going to like hold back. And, um, he, I remember him telling my mom, like, I'm going to win this case. Like he just, I don't know. It was just like such a gift, like such a, it was such a God gift really. Like he told me, he was like, I'm going to fight this battle like with you. And like, I'm not going to lose this case. Like we're going to win this case. And, um, he, he did everything he knew to do and he did his job really well. And, you know, you know, it did cost me everything, all my savings, everything, but like Mm -hmm. it was worth it, like a hundred percent. And so it was just like, like everything that I went through for the feeling of like, oh my gosh, like Mm -hmm. I did it, Mm -hmm. you know, like legal, like, you know what I mean? Like it was just, yeah. So now we're here. <laughs> so where is it from here? Um, well, now it's just like residence. So you just kind of like have, you know, your green card, you have your, you can work, you can fly, you can do anything. You can go um, to college. Yeah, you can go to college, wow. get an education. Um, and I also like, once I become a citizen, I'll be able to like, you know, get my U.S. passport and be able to vote and do all the good things that... Is it more waiting in the process or more... Do you have any other type of interview or, you know, what does that look like for those of us who don't know? Um, so, no. So, after... Unless... Okay, so, because mine was to my stepdad, it was... Um, I could have gotten, like, a temporary... There's, like, temporary residency, so it could be, like... Um, it could be, like, a year... I think there's a two-year one and then there's like a 10-year one but once you get if you get the 10-year one you don't have to like do anything further so you don't have to like go to interviews or anything like that Mm -hmm. um you just basically like um you can renew it like if you don't become a citizen after the five years um you you can renew the process but I mean I'm becoming a citizen (laughs) as soon as I can but for example for like I don't know, like people like my mom where it's like taking a little bit longer um, for her because of COVID and everything for her to get her citizenship. It's like it doesn't affect her that because she can just renew it if she needs to. Mm-hmm. And even with her um, immigration, like immigration process, like it was such a gift because like um, like my stepdad couldn't go with her to the interview. And that is like un- unknown, like people never and people would tell my mom 24 seven, like, you're gonna get denied like people like you're gonna show up to that to that meeting by yourself because like my stepdad like in that moment was like in trouble like in trouble with the law and like he couldn't leave the state so like and the and it was in Georgia so my mom had her interview and she was like this is like all I have like this is my future like these are my kids like I'm not going to like step down because I'm scared and so like my mom's like if they deny me they denied me or if they reschedule my meeting like my interview they'll reschedule it but I'm just gonna do it and I'm just gonna go and um it was like like God was with her like literally because she walked in the interview and she's like look my husband's not here like showed him the report showed him like why he couldn't leave you know the letter from his officer denying the request to leave the state and he literally like 
he opened up her folder and like sitting there was like, I think she said it was like the St. Jews. Like they both used to donate to like the St. Jews cause for like cancer. Mm -hmm. And he opened it and saw that and like closed the envelope and just stamped her and was like, you're good to go. Like you're approved. And my mom was like, what the like every single person would told her, like even her lawyers. And they were like, you're going to get denied it's going to be really bad. Like you're, you need to, you need to reschedule. You need to request a reschedule. And she's like, no, like I cannot do this. I believe in the power of my God. Like she was like, I believe in God. I know he's good to me and he will be. And she just like did it all by herself. It's so interesting that it's such a unknown system or an unknown process of like, even the fact that in, in your whole interview process of having one inside the States and being like, I don't know what this means and yeah. like the hope, the hope of that. And then it being dashed because he said, I don't know why you have this interview. You're not supposed to, this is wrong. I can't mm. accept like just the whole thing. I can't imagine how the <laughs> basically emotional upheaval, that constant, like not almost not knowing what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Of just like, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is supposed to work. All the ways that I've heard that it's supposed to go, it's not really going that way. Mm. And I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own, like, everyone's immigration case is unique. And that's that's the biggest, like, comment. I think, like, overall thing is that that's what a lot of immigrants say. Like, you can only base, compare yours to another person, like, slightly, you know, everybody's, like, some processes are the same, but, you know, you could get denied, and the other one approved, and they didn't have the same things, like, it literally just, like, people say it's luck, like, just who you get, like, what officer you get in the day, like, what mood they're in, like, it's, it's just, your hands are in the, like, your life, and your documentation is in the hands of whoever you get in that moment like whoever opened your folder if they were in a bad mood or they were like happy or if they just like they were like nah I don't like that bye you know like and that's the fear of it is because it's not you don't know who you're facing in that moment what do you wish that the people inside the system would know I don't know if they don't know this but like like we're real you know people with like real lives and real families and futures that it takes one no one little like one I don't care to ruin the possibility that some like the future of what somebody had in mind Mm -hmm. you know and it's like um And I think to, like, the immigration officers that, like, came to my house and, like, did those things and, like, said those things, it's, like, I was a girl. I was a baby. Like, I, like, imagine yourself in that position Mm -hmm. and, like, your kid going through that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, like, you know, it's like what I tell my friends all the time that don't really understand. I'm like, what would you do for your babies? Like, what would you do for a better a better future if you're eating beans and rice every day on the floor, sleeping without a roof over your head? Or in my case, getting, you know, gas bombs thrown in your home 
at three years old. I know what a gas bomb feels like because I experienced it when I was like three years old. The government was throwing gas bombs to my house because they just wanted to. It's like, that is what immigrants run from. The, the constant fear. I mean, people are willing to live here in the U.S. in terror every day. Don't run a red light. Don't stop at the stop sign completely. Oh my gosh, there's a cop behind me. Okay, everybody stop. You know, don't talk about it. Don't. I would take that 100% over going home, sadly, because it's like, that is what you experience. You know, I mean, there's a lot of good times, but when it's bad, it's really bad. And so I think that that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's like people don't leave their homes and their comfort and the language they know and the food that they know and the streets that they drive every day because and like up and leave and go to a country where they're like hated just to just because like oh kicks and giggles like let me just leave everything behind. Immigrants have my grandfather died and one of his children could go see him and mourn him like I couldn't go my uncles couldn't go like you know my aunts who lived here in Miami like the other side like no one could go because all of us were stuck and like did we choose this life a hundred percent and would we choose it again yes but that doesn't mean that it's not hard and doesn't mean that it's not like traumatic it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect our like the children our lives you know it's like no one is making this this decision because they're just like laying one day watching TV deciding like yeah eh, that looks easy yeah let me just yeah. go do that yeah and the ones who have have left yeah because the struggle is too much mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like and do I am I saying like that there shouldn't be laws no there should be and there are people who deserve to get deported and people who deserve to get sent home but there's people who don't deserve it. And so sadly, because of one bad seed, the rest of the seeds pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's there's so many different ways to do immigration. And I, I'm not an expert, and I don't claim to be. I just, like, know my story. I know what I'm saying. And I know that it's, like, this is my experience. And, like, it was hard, and it wasn't pretty but that doesn't mean that I, like, know it all either. And it doesn't mean that I'm telling someone how to live their life or how to think or what to believe. I'm just, like, sharing my experience. And I believe my experience relates to a lot of other immigrants because it's yeah. it's real. Mm-hmm. It's part of who they are. It's part of who we are, like, being undocumented and, you know, experiencing the, like, sadly, the closed-mindedness behind it and, like, you know, I don't take away from people believing that there should be laws and that whatever, like, whatever people believe. Don't even want to get into it. But, like, have compassion. Like, that's all that people ask is to for people to have compassion and grace for those of us that are just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't – there's a couple things of – it wasn't you as a four-year-old saying, I, me, Doriani, want to go to America. It's, you're a child. A choice was made for you, whether it was good or bad. When you're a child, the choices are made for you. And there's no, there should never be any blame on you. And then the second 
portion of that is the amount of ignorance because I, before I met you, you know, I'm as Caucasian as it gets. I'm full of privilege and, and have so much ignorance. It's unbelievable. And so it's so important to hear your story and to know what you personally experienced, even though, like you said, everyone's going to experience it different. The amount, the amount of us living in fear and isolation about something in our life is one thing. And then the, the number of people living in fear and isolation because of immigration status is something else. And it's, if there can be hope brought into that story, if you could have known from the get-go, like, just because your documentation isn't fully, your process isn't fully done, like, you can feel safe, and you can feel known, and you can feel loved, and you don't have to walk around and feel like you're half a person, and you're hiding half of who you are. And I wish that could have been your story, and I, and I hope that you sharing this can help a different story be someone else's life where it's not all about let me let me hide half of who I am because of the surmountable fear and I just like I'm just so proud of you for sharing what you've been through I'm so proud of you for giving a voice to the people who are mistreated within the process and for giving a voice of people of culture to to us who are ignorant and need to know and need to be educated so that we can learn the truth and actually extend love. Mm. It's really cool. Thank you for like listening and yeah, I just yeah, if I can give hope to anyone and like any little girl or frick any 30-year-old, it doesn't really matter like the age, but like like it's not who you are it doesn't define you it doesn't it's not who you are meant to be it's not this thing like the process is not the identity yeah like that's not who god made us like god didn't label us like that you know he we're his daughter his son his his treasure his masterpiece like doesn't really and it seems scary and i mean obviously like i'm on the other side so it's easier to say it but there's hope. There is.